Hello and welcome to this Head Talks podcast. I'm Terry Stiasny and I've been speaking to Barry McDonough. He's written books on overcoming anxiety, including DARE, which describes a method that he came to through his own experiences with anxiety disorders. My name is Barry McDonough. I'm the author of a book called DARE and several other books related to overcoming anxiety. And I have a company which helps people to overcome anxiety. All of the work and the writing came about from my own personal struggle with anxiety. And from out of that grew, well, originally a book called Panic Away, and then really a small business where, you know, we were bringing in lots of people who could relate to my story. And we ended up building this peer-to-peer type program or platform where people who, um, recovered from their anxiety issues would then go on and help other people who were new to the program. So uh, it's been quite a, an exciting journey of helping people to overcome which, what is a really, really difficult um, anxiety disorder or anxiety problem. You just mentioned there, let's start by talking a little bit about your own experience of anxiety. When did that first happen? And can you tell me a bit about what it was like for you? I was... 18, 19 years of age, I would just finish exams, final year exams in Ireland. So I, I live in Ireland and been out drinking the night before and, you know, very hungover. I was sitting in church, actually, it was a Sunday and I had my first panic attack and I didn't know what that was. I'd never had an experience like that before. So that first panic attack, and this is quite a common story, triggered a period of extended period of anxiety and basically fearing fear, fearing the manifestation of fear. So I would become afraid of bodily sensations uh, because I thought it would be the signal of a panic attack coming on, or I'd be eventually then I became afraid of mental sensations. So depersonalization, sensations of unreality, intrusive thoughts, you know, the anxiety loop just spiraled down and down just from that initial trigger, that initial first panic attack. So how long did that go on for? How long were you in that kind of a state of mind? I'd say it was about a year and a half. And the turning point for me was when I, you know, I kind of reached rock bottom with it where I was having a panic attack in my bedroom and I just demanded it for it to kill me. You know, it was it it was like that. I, I felt like this better kill me instead of me fearing this thing the whole time. That was the mental kind of thought process I was going through with it. So in that step, which is, you know, known, which I discovered later, is, is, is called paradoxical intention, kind of pioneered by Viktor Frankl. It's, um, it shattered that illusion of fear that the panic attack was going to kill me because I was in a way surrendering to whatever was going to happen. And that mental step is, stops the fear of fear. It stops the resistance. It stops all of the tension. And um, the, the panic dissipated really quickly. So I thought, wow, that was really interesting. And that's what started me on that journey of recovery, which I was journaling about back then, which was um, taking these small steps towards the anxiety and not resisting it, not fighting it. How I was finding within myself that was creating less tension, less anxiety, and ultimately less fear of fear, which is the core issue with most anxiety disorders is fearing the fearing the sensation fearing the thought so that um that was a really interesting journey for me because I was winning back my freedom I was able to start doing things that I had been putting off 
um, and avoiding. You know, I was I was you know very much afraid at that stage even to leave my own home, to get on a bus, to socialise in any way because I thought I would be outside my comfort zone, having a panic attack, and nobody'd be able to help me. Nobody around me would understand what was going on. Yeah, that journey then, you know, took me step by step out of that vicious loop, that anxious loop of fearing fear. And and that eventually became that first book, Panic Away. So this sounds like it was almost a trial and error approach. You worked on what worked for you and then started to discover how that might also work for other people, I suppose. Yeah, and it was it was kind of put up originally as blog posts. Well, it wasn't even blog; there weren't blogs, and it was um, articles online that I was posting. And people would um, come back to me and say, "You know, your the article you wrote there really made a huge difference." And it, it would just be very simple. I'd just be putting down simply the steps I was taking to get out of my own panic disorder and generalized anxiety disorder. And I think what resonated so much with people back then, and that's two thousand and one, was the fact that there wasn't a lot of good information out there, not even on the internet then in relation to overcoming anxiety. So a lot of the mainstream approach that people were learning about and even in therapy was to to manage and distract themselves during an episode of high anxiety or panic. So do some deep breathing, think happy thoughts, change your thinking, distract yourself. Um, it will pass. That's the kind of mainstream message. Whereas what I was saying was working for me was, you know, actually go and try and make this thing worse, demand more, make the sensations more intense. And I liken it to the, you know, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey where you have to slay the dragon. You have to face the thing that you're most afraid of in order to really go to the core of the problem, uh, which is, as I say, the fear of fear. So when you start turning to face the thing that you've labeled as a monster, the thing that you're running from, you see that it is really just a paper tiger and it dissipates very, very quickly. And you build confidence then very fast because you realize that, wow, I didn't die of a heart attack and I didn't die of a stroke or all the things I thought were going to happen during this intense uh, period of high anxiety. I didn't go mad. That's the other you know, big one people fear. Um, and maybe there is a way out of this. Maybe um, I don't have to be as afraid of this thing as I've been telling myself. And I mean, very simply put, what we're teaching in DARE is teaching people to stop scaring themselves almost you know, to death, scaring themselves over the sensations they're experiencing and scaring themselves over the intrusive thoughts they might be having. I suppose you could, to use your metaphor, one of the things that's different about your approach is it's also not trying to work out why the anxiety is there in the first place. It's not saying kind of where did this dragon come from and describe the dragon. Mm. It's finding a different way to deal with it. Yeah, it's dealing with what is in the here and now. So it's not about going into your childhood. It's it's and looking for reasons and clues. And a lot of people never really figure out why they experience an anxiety disorder. They might have ideas of why it's happening, um, but it's hard to know for, for sure why it is manifesting. Um, and it manifests for lots of different reasons for different people. For some, it could be childhood trauma. For others, it can be dietary changes. It can be exhaustion. It can be just too much current stress going on in their lives. It can be a bereavement. It can be anything, any number of things. But what we're teaching with DARE is, okay, so it's manifesting now in this moment. How are you going to respond to it? That's the question. And it is in the response to what's happening in the moment that determines whether you have a panic attack or not whether you spend the, next, the whole week in a state of generalized anxiety, 
or whether you fear for your sanity and that, you know, all of this means that you're losing your mind. So all of that is a response that you have. And um, as Viktor Frankl used to teach, there's the freedom is in that gap between stimulus and response. So you've got, you know, there's this gap in between where you can choose a new and different response instead of scaring yourself by the thoughts, by the sensations. Tell me then, what is the DARE approach and how does somebody use that when they feel an anxiety attack coming on? Yeah, so DARE is an acronym, which stands for Diffuse, Allow, Run Towards, Engage. There's there's four steps involved. And the four steps act like um, almost like a circuit breaker for this fear of fear that I'm talking about. Because when you implement them, you stop that spiraling downwards of that that anxiety creates, that vicious loop. So it enables you to step out of that and back into the present moment where you're not, or you're no longer fueling the fire. And by fueling the fire, I mean, you're no longer fearing fear, fearing sensations, fearing thoughts. So the steps very simply, for example, um, with a panic attack, how you might run through it is you're, you're out shopping, for example, and you start to feel your heart pound in your chest. And the last time this happened, you had a panic attack. So you immediately fear that this is a signal that you're going to have a panic attack. And you start thinking of all the what ifs, like, what if I can't get home on time? What if I if I need a doctor, an ambulance? And all of that just creates more stress, more anxiety. So that first step of dare cuts the what ifs by, by giving a new response to them. So you become dismissive of those initial what-if thoughts. So you diffuse them. And we use techniques like um, telling yourself whatever, so what, uh, carcatudes to, you know, make it humorous, make it fun, um, so that you um, dampen or help dissipate that initial kind of sense of panic as it arises. Then you move into the second step, which is one of accepting and allowing the nervous arousal that you feel that you currently feel because of the stress hormones in your system so you're basically allowing all of that discomfort to be there and you're you're kind of training yourself to be comfortable with the discomfort so it's all a step towards the anxiety and not away from it you're allowing it to be there you're allowing the emotion to pass and then the third step the run towards bit is where you actually get excited by it so you're saying you know this is happening now I'm not pushing it away. I'm allowing it to be here. I'm, ex- I'm experiencing it. And in fact, I'm going to demand more of it because I'm not afraid of this. I'm excited by it. So you're flipping fear into excitement in that third step. And that, that's that third step I was talking about when I experienced my first panic attack. I was saying, bring it on, you know, give me more of this. I'm not scared of this. And it's a very powerful step. That third step is probably the most powerful step for the panic attack because it really just helps you to ride the wave of nervous arousal and not um, scare yourself more, not not create more stress in the system by thinking that this is going to lead to some catastrophe of some kind. And then into the fourth fourth step, the engage step. So you've you've stepped in then to engaging with what's going on around you. You're bringing your focus back to the present moment and getting on with what you were doing, getting on with the shopping. So it's kind of like this wave of nervous arousal has overcome you, but you're riding the wave and you're using it, in fact, in the present moment to do whatever you were doing. So you could even be public speaking and you're still staying present with it. 
you're not leaving the situation. You're not trying to run away from anything. You're just experiencing it all. And does this work for a scenario where you might have a fear of something quite specific? Say if you were someone who was afraid of flying and you had to get on a plane, for example. Yeah, it works in, in all situations because basically in all of those situations, you're afraid of, you've lost confidence in your body's ability to handle the stress and anxiety. So you, you're afraid that you can't handle this. That's the kind of core fear that something terrible is going to happen. And this is building your confidence up and it's saying, actually, no matter where I am, I am my own safe person. I can handle this, whether that's on an airplane or as I say, giving a speech or driving the car or any situation that triggers anxiety for people, they feel that they don't need a safe person. They don't need someone else to reassure them. They themselves can reassure themselves and feel empowered again, that this is just a, just a sensation. It's just a thought. Even though it's very, very unpleasant and uncomfortable, it doesn't mean that your life has to stop or that you have to run away from that situation. You can still remain where you are and work through the anxiety. So, you know, people sometimes think DARE is about getting rid of anxious sensations and, and anxious thoughts. It's not really. The, the goal is to get you comfortable with them. And paradoxically, when you get comfortable with all of that distress, it uh, dissipates very quickly and your nervous system calms down. So you get the result, but kind of in a indirect, counterintuitive way. I'd like to ask you a little bit about, you know, the situation we're all finding ourselves in at the moment. I mean, there have been some reports that anxiety is generally on the increase because, after all, you know, you can look around the world in 2020 and say there's an awful lot to be anxious about. Is that your experience? Yeah, I mean, we're living, you know, a lot of people say this in an age of anxiety. And then coronavirus came along. I think in some ways the virus gave people an excuse to stay at home and not push outside their comfort zone. So for some people who suffer from anxiety, it was a little bit of a kind of an excuse to, um, I suppose, not challenge themselves because there's no flights, there's no meetings in person. There's no, you, you didn't even have to do your shopping. In fact, we were told not, you know, better, you know, keep it one person in the household does the shopping. And you could very comfortably live within your own four walls and nobody would, um, complain or look at you funny for doing that so some people found comfort in that but now we're coming to a stage where you know cavalry is coming we've got a vaccine so you know i don't know summertime of 2021 we should be out of this and people now are probably starting to think okay now how do i re-engage with the world again after so much time kind of cocooned from it so i think we'll see more and more anxiety increase as people are stepping back out into the world and having to get back on the train, having, you know, and, and having to get back on the flight and deal with all of those real world situations again, when it's been kind of handy to stay locked away. And presumably also anxiety about the, you know, triggered by the virus itself, people saying, well, if I go outside, if I go to the shops, mm. I might run a risk of, you know, coming into contact with, with the virus. And, you know, is, do those same steps work for that situation as well? Yeah, well, then you're talking about a health anxiety and we do use DARE as well for health anxiety. So that's it, because with health anxiety, it's really just about controlling anxious rumination. So, you know, in the book DARE, we cover a lot of that as well about, you know, how you how you control how much you allow yourself to worry about these things. And it's about making an agreement with yourself as well to, you know, not be Googling every symptom and sensation that you have. And, you know, it's it, it's really, again, about 
learning to trust in yourself again, your body again, and um, building up that confidence within yourself so that you feel, you know, secure within yourself to go out and about in the world and, and not and not be worried about virus or or even not be worried about every twinge that you feel, you know, in terms of uh, is this a new illness? Is this, you know, is something wrong with me? Um, so that would fall definitely in the category of health anxiety. But it's, it's a funny time, yeah, and I think um, we're only kind of learning how people are adapting now to, because it's, it's always changing, and I think, unfortunately, anxiety was, was, on, was on the rise and will continue always to be on the rise because of um, the kind of modern world that we live in, and technology plays a big role in that as well. Do you yourself still experience any symptoms of anxiety? And if so, do your techniques work for you or have you completely banished all anxious thoughts from your own mind? No, I, I experience um, nervous arousal like everybody else. So I get stressed like everybody else. But the difference is it doesn't spiral into an anxiety disorder and I don't experience panic attacks. Um, but I have, you know, frequently over the last while experienced like intense bodily sensations, but it, it doesn't scare me. And that's the difference. And that's really what we're teaching with there is learning not to scare yourself by this arousal or by those thoughts. And on, you know, for example, anxious thoughts, um, you can never get rid of them. They'll always kind of, it's like content passing through by your awareness, but it's your, how are you responding to that? Now you're latching onto it. And what a lot of people find solace in with Dare is that we talk about things and topics that aren't really out there in in the mainstream, let's say, where we talk about how specific intrusive thoughts uh, can really upset people. For example, uh, mothers with newborn babies about how they have you know, horrible thoughts about harming their children, stuff like that, or people who are driving a road and think of swerving into oncoming traffic or are on a balcony and suddenly think about jumping off the balcony. All these type of intrusive thoughts that people keep very private, very to themselves, for fear of, a lot of people have a fear sometimes of telling, even telling their therapist about these thoughts because they fear the therapist will go, oh, well, that sounds serious. And, you know, mm, I don't know, we'll have to investigate that further. And that that would then, you know, their what if thoughts are, are leading them to think that they'll eventually get locked up in a mental asylum of some kind because they admitted to having these type of thoughts. So we're very open about that kind of content and people find that really refreshing because it's sometimes the first time they've heard a group of people discuss thoughts like that. And what we're doing is we're just normalizing them. You know, we're normalizing that experience for people telling them, look, this is just a result of high anxiety uh, mixed with creative imagination. And you respond to those type of thoughts in the same way you respond to any anxious thought and you don't upset yourself by them and you move on and you engage back with life. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for talking to us. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this Head Talks podcast. We hope you found it helpful and interesting. You can find many more talks on our website at headtalks.com or listen to our podcasts on all the usual channels.